This is a Shifting Perceptions podcast. So welcome to our Shifting Perceptions podcast, season two, episode one. I'm your host, Celia. And I'm Lena. And today we are here with Ace Piva, founder of the nonprofit Over the Bridge here in Hamilton, which aims to provide mental health and addiction recovery awareness, education, training programs, and long-term support services for those in the music industry. Ace has been in the music industry since 1996, but now he is an addictions counselor here in Hamilton. So Ace, welcome to our show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Great. So to start off, can you maybe like introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So. As was mentioned, my name is Ace Piva. I'm co-founder of Over the Bridge. For the last 12 years, I've been a tour manager on the road, working with bands such as The Trues, Everlast, Monster Truck, Walk Off the Earth, a bunch of metal bands no one's ever heard of, uh, <laughs> Serena Ryder, and a whole bunch. Over those years, I became an addictions counselor, and I worked at Mission Services. I, I worked for Mission Services for a couple of years, being a, a group counselor, facilitating group peer support. I did that for two years, and then I took those skills, brought them back on the road, and now I'm an addictions recovery coach for touring musicians and crew, as well as continue on being a tour manager and sound guy. So yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's very impressive. So as you've mentioned. You have an extensive uh, experience within the music industry, so can you tell us some of the things that you saw in the music industry in terms of opioid addiction, addiction in general? Yeah. So the one thing about the music industry is, for since the dawn of time, the industry has normalized and glamorized the use of substances.、Mm-hmm. May not always be opiates, maybe more so back in the day.、Mm-hmm. It does still take place, but it's not as Open as it once was,、mm-hmm. you know, with social media and things like that.、Uh, it's the last thing any artist or anybody wants to get caught with.、Right. So、uh, people are able to hide things a little bit closer,、uh, but at some point it it becomes more obvious. But as far as substance use, you know, certain from playing shows or even band practices to you know rocking out、uh, across the world in stadiums. Beers and weed are、mm-hmm. are common, and often when you're working with local bands and stuff like that,、uh, often play music is an excuse to get together and enjoy those、uh, substance intakes. You know, and people bring in cases of beer to when you go play shows where you're not getting paid any money, but you're given a you know a twelve pack for for everybody to share. But then you're expected to go home and drive and everything else,、mm-hmm. so you know the in- the industry does、uh, propel s- substance use for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're comfortable with sharing, can you tell us a bit about your own experience with addictive substances or alcohol? Yeah, for for myself, I've been lucky enough、uh, where I haven't gained、uh, a, a substance dependency. Drinking never felt good for my stomach, so、mm-hmm. I stayed away from it. And then I, but I did end up taking care of a lot of my bandmates when I was,、mm-hmm. you know, in bands、uh, before I became a tour manager. You know, I, I would book the shows, I would book the rental vehicles, I'd you know make the show posters, and then on top of it, 
I'd end up babysitting my, my, my buddy slash bandmates. We did a lot of stupid things. Uh, we got kicked out of motels and hotels and venues because of uh, drunken disorderment. And, but at the end of the night, I was there to sort of you know, pack everybody up, making sure mm-hmm. everyone got home safe. But that doesn't mean uh, a couple hotel rooms didn't get destroyed in the process because <laughs> they definitely did. But through that and through the way I grew up, growing up in downtown Hamilton, I was subjected to, first it was strangers and friends of the family uh, dealing with, with substance use and, uh, and addiction. And uh, some people were functional and some people weren't. And I had a few friends, you know, uh, commit suicide. I had a, f- a few friends overdose on the road. At some point, you just sort of get sick and tired of seeing mm-hmm. your friends uh, disappear on you. So, uh, you know, and I, when you're on the road and when you're in a band, uh, those people quickly become a chosen family of mm-hmm. yours. You become close. Sometimes you get to know them better than their own own family gets to know them. So, and then everyone goes home, and then, you know, a couple weeks later, you hear that they had taken their own life or overdose. Mm -hmm. Those, some of those people are some of the best people I've met. And for them to have to perish that way, it broke my heart. And uh, that's very unfortunate because those people brought a lot of joy to our lives. And they were more than just their addiction. We gave things to each other. You know, mm-hmm. the experiences, an experience of traveling around North America in a van is pretty amazing. You know, people knowing who you are in the most random places, you know, like <laughs> a, a gas station or McDonald's on the side of highway, to, you know, people not knowing who you are, which is kind of the norm. But when your reality shifts uh, super frequently from being the most popular person in the room to being unrecognizable, it, it kind of plays with, with your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a hard time finding where you, where you fit. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think it's very clear why you work so closely with musicians and mm-hmm. artists. And we just wanted to know if you could tell us more about kind of like the services that your organization offers to them and maybe possibly if you were thinking of working with like non-musicians and expanding to in the community yeah so right now uh, the over the bridge offers naloxin training workshops mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well as mental health workshops uh, so we go into spaces that are comfortable for our focus market which is the music industry mm-hmm. so we'll go into music venues small clubs provide naloxin training and in, in these uh, mental health workshops, mm-hmm. you know, because I've come to the to the conclusion that music industry people are sort of allergic to fluorescent lights. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they don't want to go into rooms where it's uh, too bright. And if you're, they, they don't necessarily uh, connect with doctors and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, so they avoid places like that. So mm-hmm. if we could bring those sort of teachings into an environment where people are more comfortable, it's already shown to be, be- beneficial mm-hmm. uh, at our events. You know, we have 100 people, 100 plus people show up at locked and training events just because we're, we're normalizing it mm-hmm. and, and we're br- bringing the services to them rather than you people have to find the services, mm-hmm. seek it out, go over, you know, work through their mental stressors to, to make something like that happen. So we try to make it happen in a more right. uh, comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. And as far as broadening our services to people outside 
I think we kind of are. Uh, are <laughs> l- like, in a way, first, it's normalizing these conversation awareness uh, mm-hmm. campaigns. My outlook is if we could influence influencers, meaning musicians and things like that, when they speak about their mental health troubles to their fan base, mm-hmm. that Over the Bridge will definitely be more impactful when using their voice. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually never thought about it like that, but there's so many, you know, celebrities and uh, musicians who make songs about their experiences with mental health or addiction. And mm-hmm. and I think that is so important because, I mean, everyone listens to music and it's all over the radio. So, right. yeah, I think that's a really important method of sharing the message that I, I actually never thought about before. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. And like, and that's sort of how Over the Bridge got started. I was on a tour, uh, an artist who I was working with was in recovery. Mm-hmm. He put out a couple albums about his recovery, and then he wasn't. He relapsed on tour, and it, w- it was a bad situation. However, on that tour, a fan came up to us. I think I was in Red Deer. Me and the artist had a little bit of a disagreement on something that happened. Uh, he wasn't able to perform some of the things that he was asked to do because he was in a partaken in substance use Mm -hmm. and so but uh he when he was in recovery he wrote a couple albums about his journeys Mm -hmm. and so when i got off this bus a fan came up to me and wanted to thank this artist for saving his life i was like i was like well you know you gotta remember i just got off a big fight with him i was kind of Mm -hmm. uh mad at the situation i'm like how did this guy help you right he goes well i've been in active addiction for for over 10 years i've overdosed three times and i've died twice and his wife was there crying so i've been through it all with him and uh, it was really heartbreaking and uh he had gone to rehab and detox a number of times however because he was so immersed into the culture that his music of of taste provided he needed to be talked in a certain way that he understood but when he got into these rooms full of doctors f- dressed mm-hmm. in white coats and very professional, he, he didn't respond very well. So when they were talking to him, he wasn't, although the information they were, they were telling him was very helpful and life-changing, uh, it didn't connect with him because it wasn't, a, it was almost like a language barrier. Right. He, he came from the hip-hop community, you know, which has various ways of talking. Mm-hmm. But because those doctors weren't speaking to him, uh, that those messages didn't connect with him. So when he picked up this album and it talked about the artist in his recovery, it was spoken in a, word, in a way that was that he was able to identify with. So at this point, this fan was 10 months sober and uh, he gave full credit to these albums because whenever he was triggered to relapse or going through a bad time, he would listen to the lyrics and go back and uh, you know, I, I, at this point, he looked fairly healthy, and his and his wife assured me that this is the the best situation that he could have been in, and he just wanted to thank this artist for saving his life. So you know, a couple months later, I was thinking about what I can do. You know, actually, I came back here to McMaster and enrolled in an addictions program. I became an addictions counselor mm-hmm. through through that. You know, and my mission was to be able to try and try and speak the language and talk to the people who speak the languages of the cultures that the music industry mm-hmm. creates in order to help the, the, the general population. 
Definitely. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about um, some of the stigmas that are associated with people who are addicted and in what ways can we combat these stigmas? Well, from a music industry point of view, it's it's kind of the opposite. The stigma is the opposite, is something's wrong if you aren't partaking in the party. So, you know, when, when you're at a club or an event and you got f- free alcohol and now cannabis going around and, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're not partaking, then people look at you like, what, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, it's like someone doesn't, may not, not necessarily have to be in recovery, Maybe someone just doesn't want to drink that night. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you, they, they look at you it's like, oh, that makes you the odd man out. And then sometimes I've heard, you know, the judgment's like, oh, you think you're better than us. To me, it's those sort of comments that just r- really solidifies the need for, for what Over the Bridge is trying to do. We have a, a Facebook peer support group with 1,100 members. Wow. So if you're, if you're a musician and you're listening to this, uh, feel free to uh, to join us. Look up Over the Bridge Peer Support Group in your Facebook search engine, and uh, you'll be able to find us. So, as an addiction counselor, probably offers you more understanding of the issues that you know are local to the Hamilton community. Mm-hmm. Um, what is currently, I guess, like lacking in terms of um, response to overdose or or support. I have people who approach me who are very supportive of the outreach help that Hamilton has. Mm-hmm. I have other people who reach out tell me basically they they have a stigma towards helping people who have uh, substance mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. I believe that had they've had experience, whether it be with a family member or someone that they've cared about, uh, because then you're able to, to look past the addiction and re- remember there's a person behind that. Mm-hmm. I'm also part of the Hamilton Harm Reduction Committee mm-hmm. where, we, where we work with other organizations to help put together plans on how to break the stigma. Th- there's so many subcultures within Hamilton, you know, whether it's by the type of music you like or maybe it's your cultural background. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of Hamilton has a lot of people in order to infiltrate your message you need people of diversity Mm -hmm. you need people who care about it as much as you do so if anybody's interested you know who has access to their the community that they're involved with whether it be music whether it be art come on out man We're, 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 (laughs) we're here so I know we've touched a little bit about this on this already, but what is the importance of art or music within um, something like addiction? So here's a, a stunning fact. Uh, a research study was done out of the UK, and what it states is that 70%, 73% of musicians suffer with mental health uh, related issues. Uh, the reason why that number is so high is first and foremost is like people get attracted to music and create music because it's a way of self-therapy you know mm-hmm. it, and it's one reason why you know music, music therapy has become so popular over the last few years mm-hmm. uh, because it makes you feel good key aspect of 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 recovery is exploring your feeling 
I guess like the last little fun question I, I just wanted to get out there is um, out of curiosity, what was the inspiration behind the name Over the Bridge? When I was brainstorming, I was just talking to somebody online and I need to, like someone who I don't talk to on a regular basis, they're right. like, what are you doing? If someone asks me, like, this is what I'm doing right now. And people go, pe people always want to help. Right. They, they want to make sure that they're, they, they want to try and help you develop things. Mm -hmm. And so someone's like, oh, but why don't you uh, do a play uh, off of a song? It's like, oh, okay. And I was just thinking, I'm like, well, you know, I've always, I've never been like the biggest Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. But, <laughs> but you know, I've always liked them. You know, the, 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 a couple of their albums were always played around the house growing up. My parents like alternative rock. And mm -hmm. so, and the song about Under the Bridge is about the singer Anthony Kiedis going under the bridge to, uh, to do heroin. Uh, the, the chorus is like under the bridge downtown is where I went to drew where I went to draw some blood right it's him about you know putting a needle in his arm drawing some blood and you know getting get messed up mm -hmm. so just a little take on that I figured if we could help Anthony Kiedis get from under the bridge and take him over the bridge <laughs> uh, in, 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 into the place that he loves right. which is a place that he talks about uh, on his album uh, on, on that song we could help them. And uh, I just thought that was a cool little thing. And That's really smart. <laughs> and it, it was just kind of meant to be like a nice tongue-in-cheek little nod to them. Yeah, so that's where it came from. And if one day we could ever have uh, the band work with us, because mm -hmm. the, the band members are, are in recovery at this point, if we could mm -hmm. ever work with them, uh, I know that would be one heck of a night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that would. We'll get there. We'll get there. Eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. However, um, thank you so much, Ace, for coming and talking to us, even with your extremely busy schedule. No worries. <laughs> if you would like to know more about Over the Bridge, you can visit their website, overthebridge.org, or you can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Season 2 of Shifting Perceptions. And if you like to also follow us or listen to our first season as well, you can find us on Spotify or other uh, social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Shifting Perceptions. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we hope you'll listen in next time. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in.